Even before Friday morning, I knew this week's episode was going to be tough. I mean, we've had the ongoing January 6th hearings, uh, the most recent of which clearly presented evidence that the former president pressured the entire Department of Justice to officially state that the 2020 election was corrupt. The president said, just say the election was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman. So, Mr. Donahue, that's a direct quote from President Trump, correct? That's an exact quote from the president, yes. Uh, there's the ongoing revelations about the complete failure by local police in Uvalde, Texas, which somehow gets worse with each new piece of information. And there is, of course, uh, this photo of former YouTube celebrity Toby Tobuscus Turner hanging out with Kyle Rittenhouse, who killed two men during protests in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in what appears to be behind-the-scenes footage of some kind of upcoming sketch. But in addition to all of this and the increasingly immense financial pressure for people in this country to, you know, even go about their daily lives, nearly 50 years of precedent has been completely upended. The healthcare and personal decisions of half of the country, the access to safe abortions nationwide, it's been overturned. And it looks like the old Supreme Court is just getting started. They've had a hell of a week, mm -hmm. really on a roll, just mixing things up, just shaking up the game board. Yes. Yeah, so this also comes as the Supreme Court, just a day before his decision on restricting abortion rights, went ahead and, bah, let's expand gun rights. Let's, yeah. uh, let's just change all that. We'll restrict the abortions, we'll expand the guns. Yeah. That's what the people want. And this is coming right on the heels of, you know, the United States Congress being in the middle of passing a bipartisan gun safety bill that, let's be honest, does less than the bare minimum. It features legislation that should have been enacted decades ago. It is a token piece of legislation. And, and also just the timing of it is ju just like, hey, you know, we finally, even though it's next to nothing, literally the bare minimum the bare of what minimum. you could expect. They were like, we came together as a completely divided country and representatives of those people, a bipartisan gun control bill. And then the on the same day, the Supreme Court's like, uh, we're going to expand uh, gun rights. Uh, and then wait till you see what we got tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a, be a big one. So yeah, then on Friday, it happened, finally. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you remember back in May, an initial draft majority opinion of the court written by Justice Samuel Alito leaked. Oh my God! Mm -hmm. My norms, my precedents, it leaked! Uh, so yeah, everyone cried about, you know, what this represented. This For leak. the institutions. Yeah. Um, the leak was the problem, right? The, the leak is the real scandal here. But yeah, it bluntly spelled out the beginnings of the end of Roe v. Wade, which was a landmark decision from the early 70s that protects a woman's right to choose to have an abortion. Uh, that ruling was overturned on Friday with the Supreme Court stripping away constitutional protections for abortions with the stroke of a pen. And it will result in trigger bans going into effect for at least 13 states. The paperwork has just been waiting for the Supreme Court to say go. Mm -hmm. um, 13 states where abortion will be outlawed within 30 days. And some have already gone ahead and done that. I believe Missouri or... Uh, one of them has already been like, yeah, it's banned. Thank you. So yeah, those states are North Dakota, South Dakota, Idaho, Wyoming, Utah, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, and of course, Texas. Mm-hmm. America's brain trusts that list of states. Uh, there's at least seven other states likely to ban abortion or immediately start restricting access, those being Iowa, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, Indiana, Ohio, and West Virginia. Just the whole incest belt. 
yeah, it's 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 legitimately half the country, and I, we do make fun of uh, the states the way they're governed. It, but it is important to say that there are people who are yeah, no, it's, uh, of no choice of their own, yeah, restricted to it, living in these places. A lot of people will make the um, stupid mistake of being like just writing off entire states when it's like we have the data in a lot of cases less than half of these people that actually live in these places want these things well and so, it's also it's important to point out that uh, both of these decisions by the supreme court uh and uh, do not represent an overwhelming majority of the united states no. a- abortion and uh and gun rights issues are two things that have an o- have overwhelming support from the american people yeah, but uh, have you asked James Madison what he thinks about it? Uh, get the crystal ball. Have you looked into how your average Englishman would feel in the year 1720 if King James or whoever said, no gun for you? Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought of that? It'd be pretty bad, wouldn't it? That's, well, that's relevant. Uh, here's more from the Associated Press on the ruling. The decision by the court's conservative majority overturned the landmark Roe v. Wade ruling and is expected to lead to abortion bans in roughly half the states. The ruling, unthinkable just a few years ago, was the culmination of decades of efforts by abortion opponents made possible by an emboldened right side of the court fortified by three appointees of former President Donald Trump. Both sides predicted the fight over abortion would continue in state capitals, in Washington, and at the ballot box. Justice Clarence Thomas, part of Friday's majority, urged colleagues to overturn other high court rulings protecting same-sex marriage, gay sex, and the use of contraceptives. He also, interestingly, um, he didn't list uh, Loving versus Virginia, I think it was, uh, even though that one would fall under the same umbrella as all these other cases, because that's the one about interracial marriage, and, well, that affects him personally. So I'm not going to do anything about that. But Regarding the others, uh, here's more on that, which at this point, like, this, this... It is shocking, but it shouldn't be shocking because everything that used to be unthinkable is becoming reality. So it it is just best to prepare. Um, Quote, in his concurring opinion, Thomas, an appointee of President George H.W. Bush, wrote that the justices, quote, should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, including Griswold, Lawrence, and Oberfell, uh, referring to three cases having to do with Americans' fundamental privacy, due process, and equal protection rights. Yeah, so here's what each of those cases relate to. Uh, Griswold v. Connecticut, decided in 1965, protects the ability for married couples to buy and use contraceptives. Lawrence v. Texas, decided in 2003, ruled that it was not a crime for gay couples to have sex. And Obergefell v. Hodges, which was decided just a few short years ago in 2015, uh, that's the one that legalized gay marriage. Mm -hmm. So you can see where all this is going. In fact, the, the Supreme Court justices are telling you exactly where all this is going. Uh, It's the erosion of decades of the rights of American citizens that have been fought for and won in court by a handful of people, a conservative majority consisting of three appointees from Donald Trump's presidency. And it's all just so fucking disheartening and sad, isn't it? Yes. And it's very easy to be hopeless, especially today, especially in the wake, the immediate wake of all this, especially considering that Roe v. Wade was overturned uh, during a time where the Democrats hold a majority in the House and the Senate, as well as the fucking president after running campaigns that told people directly that the only way to stop things like this from happening was to vote for them. But I guess you just didn't vote hard enough. Uh, and, and I, I want to be clear that the conservative justices and lawmakers are the ones directly responsible for this. 
and it's something that they've been working towards in lockstep for decades. But that's the problem. You have one party that has a long-term agenda. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, that's crazy. The Supreme Court just made abortion legal. What are you talking about? You're going to change that? Not going to happen. But over five fucking decades, they stuck to their guns and they made sure to basically hold themselves and their members to a certain level of purity where if you support abortion, you're out. We only want people who are on board with overturning abortion if and when the opportunity arises. Meanwhile, the Democrats are like, eh. I mean, even like three fucking weeks ago, Nancy Pelosi was campaigning for Henry Cuellar in Texas, and he's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really a fan of abortion. Literally an anti-abortion Literally Democrat, anti-abortion yeah. uh, and pro-gun. So it's like, if the Democrats were half as fucking uh, good at this shit as the Republicans, like, that would be a big red flag. They'd be like, well, we have an agenda. We actually stand for uh, certain principles. This is not a guy we want on our side. But they don't have principles. They're <laughs> just the left wing of the capitalist center of this country. And that's how the Overton window continues to move right. Yep. But look, it also makes me incredibly disappointed in the Democratic Party. It's a party that has been making a fool of itself more and more in recent years in astonishing ways. And a party that has either failed to keep promises or allowed themselves to be hamstrung at pivotal moments that would bring this country up to speed with the rest of the modern world. Hey, Joe Biden still owes me money. I believe he owes uh, everyone like $1,300. Yeah. And uh, Obama owes everyone comprehensive universal health care. Hmm. That is not uh, picked away at by the by making deals with conservatives who don't want this in the first place. Yeah. Um, yes, that modern world, it is also a world that is dealing with its own shocking regressions. So uh, who are we to argue at this point? Yes, this is absolutely the fault of a conservative party that is actively celebrating this ruling as a win to the point where the Texas Attorney General, Ken Paxton, closed the AG's office in celebration and publicly exclaimed, Today, I'm closing my office and making it an annual holiday as a memorial to the 70 million lives lost because of abortion. Anyway, as for the party in power during all of this, the Democrats, well, they denounced it, of course, and they used the situation as a way to uh, start fundraising. Open up those checkbooks, guys. Uh, the only way we can stop Roe v. Wade from being, or sorry, it just got repealed. So the only way we can stop it from getting even more repealed is if you give us your money. Uh, yeah, Nancy Pelosi not only immediately sent out a fundraising email, uh, but also... <laughs> like, like literally yeah. pre-written, just ready to go. That's how I found out. I woke up and fucking move on or some shit had, like, where is in my text? I was like, uh, what? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, also, uh, she took, took time to uh, read a poem about her feelings regarding the news. Yes. She got on the mic and she read a poem. Here is my home. I will not be silent for my country has changed her face. It's fucking embarrassing. Yeah. It is literally embarrassing. It's like you don't want to win. Yeah. It's like you like losing. It's also like you uh, want to mani- like manifest this reality that is so absurd and make yourself so unlikable that it is impossible to get anything done. Yeah, it's... Uh, don't know what to think. Yeah. But yeah, and then she, you know, reiterated that the rights of women and all Americans are on the ballots this November. Okay, what about now, Nancy? This <laughs> what is about the ballot what every about fucking right election? now. Um, yeah, and like Elliot said, this and is he, after yeah. Yeah, campaigning or campaigning for Henry uh, Queller, 
uh, an anti-abortion congressman from Texas who is considered to be one of the most conservative representatives in the Democratic caucus. Yeah, he won his primary by uh, like less than 300 votes. He had the full power of the Democratic Party behind him, and he won by that much. Imagine uh, what would have happened if uh, that's that just, was it's just what we need. Another different. Kristen Cinema, and yeah. uh, what, what's the guy from uh, Virginia? West Virginia, Joe Manchin. Yeah, Joe Manchin. That's what we need more. He, of. Oh, Joe Manchin. He he was really putting on a show today too. Oh, He's like Kavanaugh lied Kavanaugh to me. Kavanaugh lied to me. I can't believe that Kavanaugh would say that he wasn't going to repeal Roe, and then we go and do it. He's the Democratic I can't Party. Believe it. He's the Democratic Party. Susan Collins, who is also completely shocked at the events that have unfolded. I just, yeah, I'm shocked. It is so demeaning to the intelligence of anyone in the country. Yeah. It's yeah. so like that thing that everyone knew was going to happen happened. And I am, I for one, a person who has legitimate power in the government that's supposed to represent you, am completely shocked. Yeah. So, yeah, Nancy and, you know, the rest of them, they, they continue to be just useless, purely performative, embarrassing, not serious, not a serious political party. No. At least, at least from where I'm standing right now today. Yeah. We are begging, please. And everyone else who's too old to properly govern and who will not live to see the destruction that they've caused, retire, bitch! <laughs> Step down! Be replaced! My God! Our fucking senator can't even remember what she did five minutes ago. Yeah. And no one will talk about it. Every, no one will go on the record about it. There are, there's been numerous articles about, <laughs> about fucking Feinstein uh, over the past like year about no she's like literally she has dementia she has no idea where she's, she is there's marbles rolling around in her Nancy head. Pelosi's over 80 now yeah she's not all there either but and she, still least... her husband can get behind the wheel of a car after a couple of Mai Tais yeah and cause an accident yeah yeah uh, please so retire. yeah step aside for God's sake do what Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have done allow yourself to be replaced there it is I mean she had a Anthony Kennedy knew how it works. RBG? No. No. She, She's going she to was, uh, she haunt was, us forever. Yeah. Thanks, lady. Yes. Inadvertently haunting. Notorious RBG. But not for the reasons uh, they used to say. Yes. Uh, anyways, they say to vote. Guess what? We have. And we will. Yeah. But there's only so much we as individuals can do. That's why we elect people to represent us. And when that doesn't happen, it does irreparable harm to the motivation that you keep trying to drum up with your constituents. And we're not trying to add to that. Uh, everyone should obviously vote in every election that they're able to, but we did vote. And a guy who didn't get a majority of the votes in 2016 still won and then installed three uh, relatively young conservative justices who will be deciding on all of our freedoms for the remainder of our lives. Yeah. The next, like, 30, 40 years. As for what we can do right now, I mean, we know it all feels hopeless, and you are absolutely justified in feeling that way. But if you really want to help, and you can, if you're able to, um, you can donate to charities like the National Network of Abortion Funds, whose mission is direct and impactful. They remove the financial and logistical barriers to abortion access, and this issue is only going to get worse as it becomes necessary for people to travel out of state in order to have safe access to these abortions. Uh, we are, guess what, gonna run another fundraiser for them on this channel. And we know that we just had one back in May when the initial decision was leaked. But if you can donate, you should. And if you can't, 
look, we completely understand because on top of all of this, everyone is dealing with inflation that is at, it's at a 40 year high and a recession that we are either already in or that is looming and pretty much guaranteed on the horizon. So I get it if you can't donate. Uh, I get it if you're yeah. angry. I get it if you're hopeless. Um, but if you can, it would be wonderful to help. And there's been a, so, a there's been a bunch of companies that are like, we're gonna pay for all the expenses uh, if our but employees. A lot of these states are gonna make that illegal too. And also, like, could you? Okay, imagine how a normal job is now. Hi, and boss. And then imagine, hey, I would boss, like, yeah. I'd like to take a week off to travel across the country on your dime to pay for an abortion. And it's like, it's great that they're saying that they'll do that. Yeah. But I have been uh, tricked too many times by this fucking country. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, great in theory. Look, but it's not great. Everyone's angry right now, and you are absolutely legitimate in your anger. Um, and yeah, it's it's easy to feel hopeless. If you can help, then help. If you can protest, then protest. It's popping off, yeah. um, which is good. But I, I'm starting to worry because I don't know. I, I they got, immediately marched out the yeah, uh, I got the security. I got uh, a bad feeling because like. This is anything like 2020, you know, it starts off peaceful and then they do kettling. They do all this other stuff. The, the police are the ones that start the riots in a lot of the situations. Yeah. There was definitely a handful of situations in 2020 where like it was just straight up people doing arson and shit. But the vast majority of times when rioting happened in 2020, it was because the police intentionally crowded people together and started beating the shit out of them. People started running, trampling each other, it just turns into fucking chaos. And they're like, oh, look at these people, they're rioting. Also, yes, that is a very real photo on Toby Turner's actual official Instagram page of him hanging out and yucking it up with Kyle Rittenhouse. This is the worst there are we now I've ever uh, ever seen. Yeah. Anyway, <sighs> I think we could all use uh, something to laugh about after all of that. Mm-hmm. So, okay, let's talk about how the company behind an upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie is somehow convinced that people are upset about Italian-American representation in the film, specifically related to the casting of uh, non-Italian Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah. Very Anglo Chris Pratt mm -hmm. in the very Italian role of Mario. Mm -hmm. No, sir. Everyone's just fucking tired of Chris Pratt being in everything. That's, it's really just that's what it is. And the fact that he doesn't, he, also, he doesn't make sense as Mario. Of all actors, why Chris Pratt is Mario? And it's not that it's strictly because it's an affront to Italian-Americans, though. It, it, yeah, it would have been nice for a little, you know, a little Italian-American representation. Of course, yeah. One of the only real uh, notable Italian roles that isn't directly related to the mafia. I mean, yeah, they, those don't come off it. So there you go. So, I mean, yeah. uh, maybe this is a, a thing, although I think this company is taking... Yeah, no, they... they <laughs> So basically what, what it looks like is happening here, this looks like another executive team uh, kind of pre-canceling themselves <laughs> again. Yeah. We've seen uh, several examples of this, but yeah. they're, they're taking everything that the internet says at face value. When the internet is notoriously, there are layers of irony and uh, yeah. It, it, so that's very funny. Like, oh my God, a lot of people are really, the Italians are really upset right now. We don't want to piss off the Italians. I mean, there probably are really I'm sure that they, Italians. like, like, uh, hey, this is bullshit. <laughs> I, there are, I'm sure, Italians that are upset, but I would say that the, probably the vast majority, as an Italian-American myself, whose uh, aunt recently did Ancestry, oh. uh, yes, my last name is, I, I've talked about it before, 
is one of the most Italian last names you could ever have. What? The one that was not, uh, the one now is given to oh, me, yeah. my family. But, hey, uh, bears you. <laughs> it was uh, uh, D'Archangelo and Mamarella or something. Oh, damn. I told you. So, hey, fucking put me in the movie. Yeah. I need to call Nick Gregorio and ask him about this. Yeah, it's Chris Pratt. He looks like a Napolitano. He looks like a northerner. Yeah. Not really, a, not a real Italian. Uh, so, yeah, I would like some more Italian-American uh, representation. So, yeah, yeah uh, hey, it's, it's bad. It is bad casting. But anyway, here's more from Deadline, who did an interview with the CEO of Illumination, the studio working on the Mario movie, who's also behind the Minions franchise. Yeah. Yeah, this will be great. Regarding anyone upset over casting the non-Italian Chris Pratt as Mario in the Italian upcoming... X, <laughs> Italian X, uh, in the upcoming Super Mario Brothers movie, Mela Dandry, who's the CEO, <laughs> he should know better. <laughs> Mela Dandry, this guy, what do you? It be your own people. It be your own people sometimes. <laughs> Mario. <laughs> <laughs> Bella Dandry asserted, quote, when people hear Chris Pratt's performance, the criticism will evaporate. Maybe not entirely. People who people love to voice opinions, as they should. I'm not sure this is the smartest defense, but as a person who has Italian-American heritage, I feel I can make the decision without worrying about offending Italians or Italian-Americans. I, I think we're going to be just fine. Hey, gobble fucking goo. Hey, hey. Uh, so uh, Chris Pratt himself attempted to ease people's worries regarding the role, saying in an interview with Variety recently, I worked really closely with the directors and trying out a few things and landed on something that I'm really proud of. And I can't wait for people to see and hear. <laughs> it's an animated voiceover narrative. It's not a live action movie. I'm not going to be wearing a plumber suit running all over. I'm providing a voice for an animated character, and it is updated and unlike anything you've ever heard in the Mario world before. I've been hanging da out down at my, my local Trattorias and, uh, you know, picking up the dialects. Been, uh, I've been down in Little Italy eating a lot of spaghetti. A lot of spaghetti and yeah. meatballs. Yeah. So, yeah, the problem seems to be people don't necessarily want to hear a version of Mario that they've never heard before. We know what Mario sounds like. Yeah. And he better sound like what we think he does. Yeah. <laughs> this is like Sonic the Hedgehog all over again. Oh, you, this is a brand new Sonic. You're not going to believe it. Like, no, just we know what Sonic looks like. Just give us fucking Sonic. Yeah. Wait, what is this? <laughs> no. Look at his teeth. No. You get back in there. You reanimate the whole fucking movie. Do it now. <laughs> Bullying works. It does. It does. But anyway, more importantly, they specifically don't want Chris Pratt to voice him. That's, that, that seems to be the general sentiment from fans. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Problem is, this is a gigantic movie for Universal because they are literally opening up Super Mario World in their theme parks, starting with the one here in L.A. Which, which is almost done. I've driven by it. It's uh, You can see it. Yeah. Uh, so they're absolutely going to turn this into a major movie property with sequels and enough sustaining interest to bring in tourists to their theme parks. So it'll be marketed outrageously hard. And also, it's almost certainly uh, not for you. It's, it's for your children. Yeah. If you go see it out of pure nostalgia, that's, you know, a nice bonus for them. They get the money. But yeah, it's uh, and that's the thing, too, is it's like it's oh, why? Why would they cast Chris Pratt of all people? And it's like, OK, look. Chris Pratt is Universal's golden boy right now. Yeah, he is the face of their most successful franchise that isn't Fast and Furious. It's all that Christ power he's got. I mean, how, That's can, true. how can you deny the divinity of Jesus Christ when you look at all that it's done 
for Chris Pratt. He, his career took off. He got a Schwarzenegger wife. Mm-hmm. And um, now the United States is banning abortion. Yeah. It seems to be working out great for Chris Pratt. Yeah. But uh, Universal has uh, technically a good problem, although I'd say that Vin Diesel probably isn't the best representation for their brand. But uh, they certainly aren't as bad oh, as Warner Brothers. Oh, he's probably pissed because Vin Diesel, I think, it actually is Italian. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. I, I can't remember what his real name is. Diesel team. Well, he was not born Vin Diesel. Yeah. But I, I believe he's actually Italian. So he was probably like, what the hell, man? Hey. I thought I was the Universal Golden Boy. I'm acting here. So deep voiced Mario. Yeah. I mean, it would be it would be like the last time a motion picture studio decided to go another way with Super Mario Brothers. They went, they, they cast acclaimed <laughs> Shakespearean <laughs> actor Bob Hoskins. <laughs> yeah. Legendary and up and coming Latino comedian. Yeah. John Leguizamo. Yeah. Who is Italian passable. And the chemistry between those two very different approaches. Unbeatable. Look. This is probably going to be good because uh, I'm using an example right now that old Super Mario, which I have d- exclaimed my love for. Yeah, you love that. So maybe they should show. go weird with it. Yeah, yeah. I just they, don't. They think, won't though. I just don't believe Chris Pratt as a blue collar Italian plumber. But in the good, in good news, uh, Charlie Day is Luigi. I mean, he's great and everything. I like. He would him. make a better Toad. So is he going to do a voice? Yeah. Try. It's very hard to picture Italian Charlie. Um, It is, I'm sure, going to be very mediocre uh, on all fronts. And no, no shame on Charlie Day. It's just like Universal yeah. wants this to be the biggest property in the right. world. Currently, yeah. their theme park is a bunch of rides that don't make sense because all of their movies are dated and don't have yeah. lasting power. Ooh, the and, water world. Yeah. <laughs> the water world is spectacular. favorite movie. Uh, the Beetlejuice review. Yeah. And then they also have Harry Potter Land where uh, obviously trans people aren't allowed to go into. So they have to have a, a section that appeals to everyone. Yeah. Anyway, it's time to ship some packages, which means our sponsor today is Stamps.com. Mm-hmm. We all know how important it is to save money where you can, especially in this economy. And if you're a small business owner, inflation certainly isn't doing you any favors. If you're a business that's looking to, for ways to cut costs, mailing and shipping is a great place to start. With Stamps.com, you can skip the trip and never waste another dollar or minute. Stamps.com lets you print official postage right from your computer so you can spend less time at the post office and more time running your business. Stamps.com saves you time, money, and stress. So for more than 20 years, Stamps.com, it has been indispensable for over one million businesses. Stamps.com gives you access to all the post office and UPS shipping services you need right from your computer and get discounts you can't find anywhere else, like up to 30% off USPS rates and 76% off UPS. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. You're up and running in minutes, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere that you want to send. Save time and money this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code NEWSDUMP for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code NEWSDUMP. All right, uh, back into the news now with a court case that has the potential to change the YouTube landscape when it comes to false DMCA claims that have plagued creators for years. Yeah, this is interesting. Uh, Uh, So Bungie, the company behind the game Destiny 2, has filed a multi-million dollar lawsuit against a YouTube creator 
for issuing dozens of false copyright claims against other creators, causing their accounts to be demonetized and potentially being banned for absolutely no reason. Now, this is obviously a huge problem here on YouTube, one that we've even experienced and reported on over the years. And while the ability to fight a false DMCA claim is available, it's also an extremely risky process, which almost always favors the person or company that's issuing the strikes. And if things actually work the way they're supposed to, could result in a lengthy and expensive court battle for the person who did nothing wrong. Yeah. Uh, it's a legal battle that would end up costing any channel far more than it's ever worth for the video that got struck. And while it's a little upsetting that this is only being taken seriously when a large company decides that they've finally seen enough, the result of this case could set a precedent for the entire platform moving forward and could hopefully at the very least dissuade other copyright trolls from filing these types of false claims. Here's the verge of more on this. Bungie has sued a Destiny player who allegedly filed dozens of fake copyright strikes in its name. The lawsuit, covered by The Game Post, says California YouTube creator Nick Miner turned a single Digital Millennium Copyright Act takedown notice into 96 fraudulent claims against other YouTubers. The complaint claims Bungie brand protection contractor CSC Global sent Miner a legitimate copyright notice in December 2021, asking him to remove music from the soundtrack of Destiny expansion The Taken King. Miner allegedly responded by creating a Gmail account that mimics the CSC one, and then filing similar requests with a bevy of other YouTube accounts, even hitting an official Bungie account. He identified himself as a CSC representative and demanded the accounts remove videos or face YouTube copyright strikes. Wow, the boldness. Yeah, diabolical. Uh, uh, oh, Bungie legitimately filed a thing for music based on something that I was doing. I'm going to ruin their brand image and also take down a bunch of other legitimate YouTubers in the process. It's, it's a bold plan. Yeah. And it looks like it didn't work out. For Basically, a while, though, it did. Yeah, this dude uh, got pissed over a legitimate strike, decided to attack the gaming company by impersonating them, filing claims against content, content creators, and thereby convinced those content creators that Bungie was attacking all of them, leading to some pretty negative marketing for Bungie as a whole, who, like other game developers, has allowed free use of its games for creators as part of marketing for the game. It, it is and has always been a win-win scenario. There's companies like Nintendo that yeah. don't allow it. But in general, this is seen as a, a pretty good thing. And also, yeah, it, was, it did negatively impact Bungie. Uh, they had to issue official statements that yeah. said that they weren't doing this. And people were like, but yes, you are. Here's all of the proof. And the guy was using an email similar to the one that they actually used. So it looked like Bungie was actually doing this. Yeah. Uh, here's more from the legal complaint that was filed. 96 times, Miner sent DMCA takedown notices purportedly on behalf of Bungie, identifying himself as Bungie's brand protection vendor in order to have YouTube instruct innocent creators to delete their Destiny 2 videos. The Destiny community was bewildered and upset, believing that Bungie had reneged on a promise to allow players to build their own streaming communities and YouTube channels on Destiny 2 content. Uh, and The Verge adds that Beyond Miner's individual actions, Bungie suggests that he exploited weaknesses in YouTube's reporting system. It says he was able to easily impersonate a CSC employee, for instance, because YouTube requires all reports to come through a Gmail account, not a company domain that a content creator could verify. Google's system allows anyone at all to claim to be representing a rights holder for purposes of issuing a takedown with no real safeguards against fraud, Bungie complains. More broadly, however, Miner's campaign worked because of copyright law's status as a powerful, controversial weapon that can hit YouTubers and other internet content creators with little warning and painful consequences. So that last part is the 
Bungie potentially having the ability to set a precedent with what goes on on YouTube. Because that is, you would think that there would be safeguards in place, but as has been proven time and time again, that's simply not the case. You can literally make yeah. a Gmail account. Yeah, I'm surprised this guy's in California because a lot of the times it's like some dude in some other country, which makes actually doing anything about it way harder. Yeah. You're in the United States. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> it, it, well, how did you think this was going to work out Specifically in a state that actually takes this yeah. fucking seriously. Yeah, this was, this was always going to come crashing down at some point. We're just lucky it happened here in California. So yeah. something could be done. Anyways, in an update to one of the ongoing entertainment industry sagas since the uh, company's debut of the streaming platform, ads are actually confirmed to be coming to Netflix streaming. It's happening. This rumor has been popping up forever, and it's typically been brushed away by executives who justifiably indicate that you're already paying for a service, you shouldn't have to see advertisements on it. Now, with their stock in the dirt, and after laying off hundreds of employees, even 300 more this week, it looks like Netflix is getting pretty desperate, and CEO Ted Sarandos has now confirmed that commercials are coming to Netflix. For some, specifically people who want to pay less for the service. And to be clear, they're still going to be paying a monthly fee, regardless of the tier level, but there will be different tiers, and one or more may include ads as a way to add an additional revenue stream for the service. Uh, here's The Hollywood Reporter with more. It's official. Ads are coming to Netflix. Netflix's co-CEO Ted Sarandos, speaking at the Cannes Lions Advertising Festival on Thursday, confirmed that the future of the streaming giant will include ads, explaining the about face. Netflix had long been averse to advertising on its subscription service, but after posting disappointing figures last quarter showing it lost 200,000 subscribers, the company said it would be introducing a less expensive ad-supported tier to its service in a bid to bring in new customers. Quote, We've left a big customer segment off the table, which is people who say, hey, Netflix is too expensive for me, and I don't mind advertising. Sarandos said Thursday, speaking on the Can Lions stage with Sway podcast host Kara Swisher. We are adding an ad tier. We're not adding ads to Netflix as you know it today. We're adding an ad tier for folks who say, hey, I want a lower price and I'll watch ads. I mean, I'm curious how are they going to be breaking up episodes or is it just going to be like in between shows when you're binging? That's what I'm curious I would, I would about. be I would assume that it would be at the beginning and end of shows. Yeah, because they're that's like a this is a whole thing in the way TV is made like. It's, the way it's produced is... There's an is, entirely yeah. different like uh, act structure for network TV shows because of they have to make room for eight minutes of commercial breaks for every half hour. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, might be tricky to find uh, you know mid-roll mid ads break spots in uh, a lot of Netflix shows. Well, they have to retroactively do that, which doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, this seems bad. Also, like, it... The thing that confuses me, and I know that their stock has taken a, a dump like everyone else, but like everything is predicated on this thing that they've lost all these subscribers when at the beginning of all of this, I think a, a, a hefty portion of all of those lost subscribers were coming from regions that Netflix uh, stopped doing business in because of the Russian-Ukrainian war. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. It's like, you know, by the numbers, they're they're still doing great. They're, they're doing, doing great. They're doing as good as they were a year ago, maybe slightly less, but it's the fact that the line is no longer going up. The line is going flat. It's like, oh my God, holy shit. I think they're probably, this. they are probably doing better specifically right now because of season four of Stranger Things, which is, I haven't been following Stranger Things for a while, but uh, apparently has taken the world by storm. 
Yeah. And good for Kate Bush. Kate, who, yeah. Who apparently owns the rights to her streaming uh She's doing content. great. She's, yeah. she's raked in like several million dollars over the past month for a song that she recorded like 35 years ago. Yeah. Hell yeah. And good for her for being proactive about retaining those streaming rights. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise that money would be just going into a black hole somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on over to the world of art. Mm -hmm. We recently covered a story where it was seemingly proven that an original Basquiat, one of dozens, set to be displayed at an art museum in Orlando, Florida, was actually a forgery. And despite the evidence being clearly laid out as to why the piece was illegitimate, the museum went ahead with it anyway. In case you forgot or missed the story when we covered it on Weekly Weird News a while back, uh, the art piece in question was actually outed as a forgery because of the medium that it was painted on, which was a Federal Express mailer with a logo and a font that belonged to a time after Basquiat was dead. Yes. Uh, ver <laughs> verified by the actual uh, designer who did the work for Federal Yeah, Express. it was funny. It was like, I can't remember. It was like the New York Times or something. They're like, yeah, it turns out uh, the guy running our graphics department, well, ran the graphics department at FedEx back then. So I just went down the hall. I was like, hey, which, uh, <laughs> tell me about this logo. Yeah, that's the thing with uh, uh, scams like this in recent times. is like, you know what? A lot of these people are still alive. We can just ask them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been about a month since the accusations were made against the painting. And on Friday of this week, the Orlando Museum of Art was raided by the FBI and multiple paintings were seized by the agency. Okay, yeah. here's the New York Times with more. The Federal Bureau of Investigation raided the Orlando Museum of Art on Friday, taking all 25 works that had been a part of an exhibition on the life and work of Jean-Michel Basquiat, the museum said. An affidavit filed to secure the search warrant called the collection's origin story, as it has been described by its owners and the museum, into question, and noted that there was reason to doubt the authenticity of the artworks. A spokeswoman for the museum said Friday that it had complied with a request from the FBI for access to its Heroes and Monsters exhibit, and that the exhibit was now in the FBI's possession. According to museum employees, more than a dozen FBI agents arrived at the museum Friday morning. They walked through its front doors, presented a warrant, and then promptly began removing the 25 paintings from the museum's walls. So is it, what's their case? Is it a fraud case? It has to be a fraud case. Yeah, I'm like, I, I didn't know the FBI was uh, this concerned about art forgery. But oh, I, man, if you haven't... You, it, if anyone out there is looking for something to watch that's extremely fascinating, even if you're just a casual uh, enjoyer of art, uh, the Lost Leonardo is a documentary. Yeah, you've mentioned this a couple times. It's uh... it's it's it goes into all of the information of of forgeries in the art business, how lucrative they are, how uh, expansive the forgery business is, yeah. and uh, and how the federal agencies deal with that. Um, I think in this case they had a heightened sense of uh, urgency because this entire exhibit was set to go to Italy in like a couple weeks. So they okay. had like one chance. Um, there was also, there's a recent one about a like a Chinese immigrant that was recreating a bunch of um, artwork for a company and they got called out recently. Like they just found the guy in Soho selling his own art and they're like, hey, do you think you could do uh, a Jackson Pollock? There's also a very good uh, Orson Welles documentary from the 70s called F for Fake. Mm -hmm. It's a little more, uh, gets pretty weird. It's a very good documentary. Maybe my favorite ever yeah. made. Um, but speaking of art, I sacrificed my time yesterday. Not sacrificed. I love it. Fired up Paramount Fired Plus. Fired up Pla Paramount Plus. Paid the $5 or whatever it was. They've got some good stuff on there. I don't use it very often, but it's a good library. 
it's uh it's I got it on the trial a couple of months ago or whenever it officially launched, and I watched through whatever I wanted to watch, and there was nothing left for me there. Wow. But uh, the South Park movies yeah. that that was what I got at the original the, the originally for the South Park movies and stuff. Uh, but they just released Beavis and Butthead do the universe, and um, I went into it with pretty low expectations. Although I am a huge fan of Beavis and Butthead and Mike Judge, I Mike Judge. Rare misses. Yeah. Um, this movie fucking rocked. Okay. It yeah. met and exceeded all of my expectations. It is dumb as hell in the best way possible. And uh, I thought that the story was actually pretty compelling and I didn't get bored throughout the entire thing. It is, it's hard for me to say it's as good as Do America because it, that is such a incredible movie, but it's, it's pretty damn close. All right. Yeah. I'll check it out. It's just... It's what it is. It's two bumbling idiots who uh, everyone misinterprets every yeah. action they make until they do something completely successful. They just magoo themselves into the, the hairiest of situations. They're stoner magoos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, if you have Paramount Plus already, it's there, and I think it's worth watching. So there you go. Anyway, that's it for today's show. If you, if you can, again, if you can support the fundraiser that we've restarted. Yeah. Uh, Fire up the fundraising again. That would be amazing if you can't. We understand. Yeah. And we will also have a new episode of Weekly Weird News, or yeah, Weekly Weird News for you coming up uh, this weekend. But in the meantime, please check out our most recent episodes right here. Uh, it's NFT week in NYC, and that, of course, means cringe. Yes. And also more coverage of that January 6th stuff that's also happening um, from earlier this week. So check out those videos, and we'll see you all very soon. Try to try have a good weekend. And, yeah, just try and have a good weekend, yeah. please. Yeah. Bye. Bye.